What up, what up? Welcome back to another Haywires podcast, everyone. I am London today, joined by Havana. Havana. Yep. How are you doing today, my brother? I'm doing good. I'm uh, very excited for the interview. It's actually my first interview, so... Yeah, I'm this really is the first one. Yeah, we, we're well. starting off with an amazing special guest today. Someone I've worked with in the Hall Societies okay. for quite a bit. Mr. Alan... How do you pronounce your nasty name, bro? Just so I don't get it wrong. Chow. Alan Chow. Chow. It's Chow. Yeah, it's like a J. Nice, dude. Nice. Obviously, yeah. I say that name and everyone who's listening obviously knows who you are. You've made quite an impression on yourself, bro. <laughs> President of Holman. Oh. President of Holman. Do you want to tell us a bit, bro, about glad to why you do what you do? Why are you involved in the community like that? Ah, that's a interesting question because I, I feel like it's just a um like I'm quite a passionate person like and there's all these ideas that I wanted to do last year that's why I went for the um wholesock ex- executive election which is happening right now across all the holes and yeah I guess it's just something that I I really wanted to pursue that's why I, I went for the election and yeah, become the wholesale president of Holman for 2020. Yeah. Probably not the best year to be the wholesale president, yeah. but... Yeah, tell me about it. You know. It is pretty tough. Um, <laughs> but guess yeah. what? Havana over here is actually applying for the whole society to replace me as president. Yeah. Do you have any tips that mean you we can suss on him right now? <laughs> what he should go for, how he should go for it? Oh, tips, tips, tips. I'll, I'll tell you what the previous president told me. Okay. You know, um... Your, your job have two difficulties. Right? First, first part of your job is to um, create a community within your whole. And the second part of your job is to create a community within your committee. So in order to do both of those, you need a initial engagement. So you have to be really, really enthusiastic and well-organized at the beginning of the year and have everything ready to go as soon as it hits, hits like day one orientation week. You know, just preparations, you know. Good luck, man. Havana is, is honestly an exciting opportunity for you. You know, you should be very, very excited. Yeah, definitely. You get to meet a whole lot of new people. Your skills get to shine, you know, and you just learn a lot, dude. You remember the training that we had to do for Hall Society? It's pretty much like an RA training. You know, you learn how to conduct meetings, you learn how to deal with people, how to resolve conflict. And I feel these are skills that me and Alan have that can take with us for the rest of our lives. So, um, considering that, of course I'm very excited to apply, but um, I- I've spoken to a lot of people and they said that being a president kind of means making a difference as well. So probably doing something better than what the previous one did or, or making a change. Is that entirely true or do you just go with what comes back in front of you? Or is it like related to making a difference in the hall or bringing a change? What would you say about that? I mean, to me, whole society serves two main functions within the hall, right? There is the service delivery, which is which are the events and the parties. And then there's the student advocacy. Like you advocate for the residents and for the difficulty they experience in their everyday life. Um, in terms of making a change, I think it is definitely something that um, you should, um, I don't know, like 
you shouldn't force a change when there isn't something to be changed but when there is a problem you should always be you know um right on it to fix it like if it ain't broke don't fix it right mm -hmm. if it's nothing's yeah. broken there shouldn't be a point in mm -hmm. fixing it which mm -hmm. is nice dude so alan i'm talking to you over discord and even over discord i'm feeling that charisma mm -hmm. you know that that glowing smile the energy and everything and i'm sure a lot of people feel this how do you deal with having that on for most of your time because i know that after hanging out with mates for a while my social battery drains for a while and it's just i have to be by myself do you find ways to retract yourself from these positions find yourself you know alone time doing your own personal thing yeah definitely definitely i think one of the uh, most important thing for a person's mental health is solitude you need to have some time for yourself and for me i like i i use i don't know i think i use maybe one or two hours a day just for myself for my own personal health for, for my own like mental health i will use it either to meditate or go for a run and i think um going for a run is definitely like one of the best habits i picked up throughout my life um for, for, you may not know this, but I actually um, went to a boarding school for the past five years of my life. Really? Were you in Australia? Had... No, 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 I was in New Zealand. New Zealand. Where are you from originally, man? Uh, it's an interesting story. It's a very, very interesting story. Yeah. So, um, tell my people, parents... Tell the people. Everyone wants to know. Tell yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, it's a complicated, interesting story. Every time someone asks me, where are you from? I, I ask them, like, do you want to hear the long story or the short story? Right. The uh, short story let's is. Let's try and go for a medium story. How about that? The Somewhere medium story. The yeah. Medium story. The, the medium story is my parents. Uh, they give birth to me and my sister in New Zealand, but we went back to China because they work in China. We went back to China for uh, the first thirteen years of my life, and then me and my sister went back to New Zealand alone to attend uh, high school. Uh, we both went to two different boarding schools so I think I personally think a lot of my identity are related to the Kiwi culture mm -hmm. but then deep down I still consider myself as a Chinese um, you know uh, Chinese person yeah that's dope dude uh, are you the oldest of your siblings of your sister no I'm, I'm the youngest the youngest damn dude you're the oldest as well right yeah Havana yeah. so me and Havana are the oldest and we're in leadership positions and you're the youngest and you're in a leadership position is there a specific type of personality or something or capabilities that you need to be in a leadership position because i've always heard that the middle child gets the less attention or whatever True, and they're, yeah and they're always the ones you know neglected so what type of personality do you reckon are the ones that thrive the most mm -hmm. if there is one thrive the most in terms of leadership you think let's keep it between or leadership yeah leadership um i think there isn't a specific type of personality i think it's a lot to do oh in terms of maybe passion that that's one thing if, if you're a person with a lot of passion then i feel like it's easier to influence those people around you mm -hmm. and once you you are once the people around you share the same drive and the same passions you do, it's so much easier just to get stuff done. Is your older sister yeah. in leadership positions? 
My older sister? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So maybe that's just the way of life that your family's gone into. Like, you have to get involved with the community no matter what, old or young. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more of a personal philosophy than a family philosophy. Yeah. And me and my sister, um, I don't know, as we were growing up, we. We we gotten some guidance from our parents, but mostly it's through self development. Yeah, is it also because of uh, the experiences you had? Like you have been to New Zealand, and then you studied in China, and then you went back to New Zealand. Like you've traveled around a lot, so probably meeting new people from different cultures. <clears throat> is that the thing which might have influenced your like leadership qualities or the way you interact with people? Hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, the experiences and you know the people you meet and the stuff that you've seen, they're definitely a factor. Uh, once you've seen it twice, it's no longer uh, something uh, new, right? So once when you're dealing with something that's you're familiar with, then you're more confident about it, and you'll probably do make a better decision because you're more confident. So yeah, definitely. I feel like experiences might be part of it, but. Okay, no, I completely agree. Yeah, you with go you. ahead. I completely agree with you. Uh, what type of Chinese do you speak? Mandarin or Cantonese? Mandarin. Okay, and what if I told you that Havana right next to me also speaks Mandarin? I will be extremely surprised. Let's do it. Go for it, bro. You want me to speak Mandarin? Yeah, yeah, he speaks Mandarin. Go for it. <clears throat> okay. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know, man. Like, well, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Just have a chat. Uh, Self introduction. <laughs> have a chat. Um, I'm Alan. I'm Alan. ว่าเดอะป๊าป๊าเดอะคงจะแจ้งความจะเออไอเบทดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาดาด
proactive in the com uh, community that I was in. And my parents was definitely quite surprised by that. They never thought of me as somebody who would, you know, be a leader. That's crazy, man. That shows me that when you learn and have knowledge, you become more confident at what you do. Absolutely. And we're just reading, we were talking about books earlier. Which one were you reading? So I was reading this book called The Buddha and the Badass. So it's, it talks about how to be a spiritual leader. And yeah, I mean, Ooh, I spiritual just talking, Yeah. Do you read any books, Alan? Yeah, I read a bit. <laughs> what would be um, I'm like currently a, reading 12 Rules of Life. 12 Rules of Life by uh, Jordan Peterson. Oh. Yeah. Yes, virtual high five. <laughs> Interesting book. Virtual high five. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting book. I, I I agree with some of the views um, Dr. Peterson have, and some of them are quite niche as well, but it's definitely an eye-opening book. I recommend it to anyone who's interested in personal growth or just psychology in general. Right. That's the 12 Rules of Life a... by Jordan Peterson. A great book, yeah, yeah. quoted by Alan himself. So <laughs> when Alan says it, you know it's true. <laughs> what other books do you read, man? What would be like your second favorite? Uh, well, actually, my favorite book is Homo Deus. What's that about? Uh, it's have you have you read the book Homo Sapiens by the same author? I don't think I can pronounce his name. It's the Israeli author Yuval Nova Harari. Harari. Yeah, this one. It's an amazing book. Is it talk about how like in which direction? our current society is going based on the speed of tech, uh, innovation and technology and it's quite interesting because it actually touched on pandemic and and everything that we're experiencing right now you know with such mass job loss and the ai innovation and um, the mass migration and it also touches on like spiritual side of the humanity and everything it's um the title of the book homo deus is a combination between like it's like a play on word of homo sapien mm -hmm. but he replaced sapien with deus which means god in latin so it's talking about like humans evolution towards becoming a god-like species in the old sense Damn, of, like, human that just blew my mind <clears throat> sure. that just blew my mind do you think we're actually getting there though i mean yes most definitely i think not not becoming god I, that that's quite an absurd claim but if you think about like if you travel back in time i don't know two thousand years and you talk to some peasant from um from Ro Ro the roman empire and you talk to them and explain to them the world that you you live in you can um you can have a um product that causes uh, probably uh, millions and millions of human work power to create for something that's cost less than a cent or less than, I don't know, um, one hundredth of their work wage or that you can heal people from like uh, diseases that won't even, uh, they, they won't even understand uh, mm. in that time. It's, I don't know. So it's relative it's almost, yeah. right? It's like, you know, we can't imagine a life without a phone. You know, yeah. you can't imagine sending a mail to someone and getting back one in like two weeks and like back and forth, right? Yeah. Sure. So what do you think the next big thing is, dude? Teleportation or 
super speed or superhumans in war? Or what's the next big thing? Ne next big thing, I think um, genetic edited humans. Genetic think, engineering. Have you heard about the CRISPR technology? About what? Yeah, say yeah. again? G genetic, the CRISPR technology, the one that allows you to edit genes was a extreme low cost. And it's just, it's dis discovered by complete accidents, like, I believe a decade back, and the technology just absolutely um, just skyrocketed. It's insane. And currently, I, I personally think there is a, um, like, unspoken technology race on uh, genetic editing between China and US. That's why I think it's gonna be the next big thing, because it is driven by competition. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Mm. Like, why would we need genetic engineering? People always want to get well, better. Well, if you think about it, yeah. And if you think about it, it's small steps. You know, you, you start off by start to editing away some of the uh, genetic diseases. You know, no, nobody wants to have Alzheimer. Nobody wants to have hair loss. But then as this goes on, as technology progresses, because it, it does progress once it's happen is like the Pandora's box. Once you open it, you can't close it. And w once we start to go from healing to advancing, the line gets very, very blurry. And I think it will speed up, you know, as it goes. Because I've definitely heard about engineering in that sense, like you can pick what your child would look like. Nice. You know, you can decide, okay, you know what, I'd rather him have this uh, blonde hair or green eyes or et cetera, et cetera. <sighs> What's the ethical grade, do you think, on that Havana? I'm not even sure why would people do that. Like, why can't they just keep it a surprise of how their child is going to be like? like? Why do you have to program it in a way which best suits your needs? But I mean, like Alan brought up, sometimes it's good to remove the genetic diseases, right? You know, the, the long-term negative effects that humans can have. But if you can do that, why not as well I guess just make your own character. <laughs> Do you think that by doing that it might bring in newer problems which weren't even existing before? What do you think about that, Alan? Changing genetic code yeah. to combat a problem can create a different problem. I think this is an ethical problem as much as a social problem. If you... Um, Havana, let me ask you a question. Let's say uh, it's 20 years from now on. Well, sorry, 10 years from now on, and then you're, you're having your first kid, right? Right now, by now, all the genetic editing technology has been very mature. And all of your friends from your workplace and all your friends from high school, they're edit genetically editing their kids. They're making their kids smarter, they're making their kids stronger. You know, their top athletes was um, 4.0 GPA kids. <laughs> and would you still decide to say, okay, I'm gonna take, take the gamble, I'm gonna take the risk, and have my kids to go out and compete with these other kids uh, purely by natural selection. You know, would, would, or would you do something more artificial to make them more competitive? You know, this is, I'm not giving a definitive answer, but like, this is a question to think about. You know? So what I think is if every single parent um, makes their kid perfect, there would be no competition, right? Everyone would have the best grades, the best physique, the best, the best at everything. So 
how would the world work in that way if everyone is at the top everyone is at that 1% it doesn't it doesn't really make sense oh it's right? just it's harder i feel like the competition would just get harder like the entry for high school will get harder the entry for universities will get harder because we are in a world that's governed by merits mm-hmm. you know if we can have the if our current best and brightest are the norm in the future then they will just have a new they will just have a new way of finding the best and brightest and that brings know. it then you if know. you can change <laughs> how someone is born what about death would you want to die or would if there was technology that was like okay mm. we can keep you alive so you just get frozen until they invent the technology <laughs> to keep you alive would you guys take that So like this is a question that you will say yes now but then regret future in life. I'd say no right now. I'd say no because you don't want to die. No, I would. Like I'd want my time to come because mm. I feel a that's the first most mm. natural and b when you know there's a finish line, you fight your hardest. When you know there's, you know, okay, you know what I'm going to live forever. What's the point in trying anything? True. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, speaking of competition and everything, I had a question for you. Uh, based on the elections going on for the whole society, uh, so oh. whenever I tell my friends that okay, I'm gonna go apply for a, pre- a president or vice president, the one question they ask me where I get stuck is what's your vision? What's your vision for your hall? Why do you want to go for president? What changes are you gonna bring? And if they ask hmm. me like on point, I just get stuck. So before you started, did you have a vision? Did, like before you applied did you have something in mind that okay this is what i'm going to do this is what i'm going to bring to the table or is it that you just wanted to be in that position for some other reason um i wouldn't say i had a vision but i had a list of events and stuff that i wanted to do okay. you know it, it, it's not as much as a vision more of a to-do list for me mm-hmm. and clearly none of those got ticked off this year <laughs> But you know, uh, I think for a for a position like host society president, like you're not aiming to make like groundbreaking changes. You just want to improve the life of residents, like the environment that they're living and the living standard. So you can do that in many ways. But I feel like the um, easiest way and the best way from host society point of view is to provide more fun events and advocate for their uh, difficulties. Yeah. And I mean, that's what you're trying to do now, man. So, You've taken that second step into MSA. Congratulations, by the way, congrats. on getting that MSA election. Thank you. What's the future for Alan, man? Tell us. Future for Alan. Um, there, there's, there's no future for Alan, but I, I, I think there's a future for uh, Rez, hopefully. You know, we're working extremely hard with, uh, with my um, my co-officer Lily Van Verkel, if you're listening out there, you know, <laughs> shout out, shout out to her. Yeah, we're, uh, and your previous guest, jo- Joshua Black. You know, we're, we're working extremely hard trying to build how Rez will look like next year. We're trying to, um, I don't know, create a better environment for the residents to come back to after everything we've been through this year. You know, we're, we're gonna make the residential community more structured. We're gonna make it more. Um, uh, we're gonna have have it in a better position 
to bargain with MRS and hopefully make some significant changes and improve the lives of the residents. Are there any plans after MSA? Um, I'm not sure if I can say them right now because everything is still in discussion with various parties. Okay, so things are cooking up. There, there's things a couple. In, there's things in the works, in yeah. the plans. Okay, so watch That's out true. for Alan, That's everyone. Good. You know, the space is coming. Alan's going to make some dents into the universe. But Alan, thank you so much for being on the show. It was great You've to been have you. Amazing, some amazing insight. I just feel smarter just talking to you through the camera. You have 10 seconds, my friend. Shout yourself out, put a plug in, tell the people what you're up to. I don't have anything plugging. Um, I don't know. Follow Haywires on Instagram. This is an awesome show. And I don't know. They, these are wonderful people. They're, they're tru truly um, really proactive and innovative students. Yeah, follow something, them on Instagram. Uh, we were talking about a plug in for yeah, you. Dude. Something about you, not about us. Something that you would want to You're so generous. You're so generous. <laughs> I don't know. There, there's, there's not much. You know, uh, go, go out there and participate in the whole society election. We need a group of passionate and driven people to lead uh, each residential hall into a better uh, 2021 next year. Yeah. Smart. So final thing, do you want to ask him the question, bro? The question? The question. <laughs> if you had to pick a city to name yourself after, what would it be? Oh, uh, <laughs> that's the question, bro. <laughs> uh, it will be Auckland, the city that raised me. Auckland. Auckland yeah. from New Zealand. Auckland. Sounds good. So there we have it, everyone. Auckland, Havana, and London with an amazing, amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being here with us. It was absolutely amazing. Glad to be here. Yeah. And we'll see you around, eh? London and see Havana. See you around. Out. Out. <laughs> Cheers for that, Alan, my man. Hope you had fun, bro.